Listen, I will be honest with you. I do not offer the old smooth prizes, but offer rough new prizes. These are the days that must happen to you. You shall not heap up what is called riches. You shall scatter with lavish hand all that you earn or achieve. You but arrive at the city to which you were destined. You hardly settle yourself to satisfaction before you are called by an irresistible call to depart. You shall be treated to the ironical smiles and mockings of those who remain behind you. What beckonings of love you receive, you shall only answer with passionate kisses of parting. You shall not allow the hold of those who spread their reached hands toward you. Song of the Open Road 11 by Walt Whitman Welcome to Millennial Mystics, a podcast about modern mysticism and the people making it theirs. Together, we explore all angles of mystical subjects for both beginning and advanced practitioners and bring marginalized voices front and center. Prepare to laugh, learn, and decondition. So grab a pen and your grimoire and let's get going. Welcome, welcome, friends. Uh, we have a really fun topic planned for this episode, and so if you if you're playing along, this is our last quarter, first quarter. Wait, it's what is it again, Kaylee? I'm always confused. Last, it's last. last. Uh, yeah, yeah, obviously. <laughs> so it's our last quarter moon episode. I hope you In guys the survived the eclipse. <sighs> Barely. Barely, but like typically we've done a lot of culture episodes on this one, but we thought mm-hmm. we would change it up and we talk about things to release because we really haven't gone into this like de- in depth. And so when we decided, let's talk about that. I, I said like, Oh, I know who would be perfect for this. And this would be my friend, Dr. Liz Dubois. Is that how you say last name? Oh, look at me saying French words. So here, so here is Dr. Liz and Liz is a divorce coach and a bunch of other cool things. I'll let you introduce yourself, Liz. You tell us what you do. Okay. Hi, I am, uh, yes, Dr. Liz Dubois. Um, I am a life transition coach. So the two big things that I help people transition around are career and family conflict. So generally that's divorce. I'm a certified divorce coach, which is a in my opinion, with love, bullshit certification, and <laughs> just being honest, because what because <laughs> the coaching that I do honestly is grounded in the research I've done, 
I've worked with women going through divorce uh, for 10 years now in four different countries and then went through my own divorce. I didn't mean to walk myself into my own research project, but I did. And um, when I'm coaching someone, I'm coaching from a place of being deeply grounded in the research. I think a lot about kind of like I'm a young Brene Brown, right? But but this, <laughs> this grounding in research, right? Because I can say very honestly, when women are struggling with releasing this idea of like, it's my fault that my marriage has ended, it feels very soothing to be able to say, you know, whether you're in Indonesia or Cambodia or Moscow or the US, the narrative, the story, the experience and the feeling of divorce is universal. The feeling of releasing what no longer serves us has no gender, has no age, has no creed, has no religion. And when I have the opportunity to work with, I only work with women. Um, when I have the opportunity to work with women through these profound kind of rock bottom moments of, I don't know what to do and I am stuck being able to sit with women in that moment and say, what is it that you're holding on to that you think is part of who you are? Because I promise if you let that thing go, you're actually going to figure out who you are. So that's like so baller. Just like how you <laughs> it sounds so cool. Well, like it's a lot for, of fun. It's yeah, a lot of fun. It's it's a perfect you're the perfect person to talk to when it comes to like letting things go because it's yeah. such a tangible example of letting things go is like a huge life transition like that. So Yeah, absolutely. And and I think that it's really powerful for people to think about life transitions as a process of stepping into who they are, but the cost of who you really are is letting go of all of the artifice that you've built up in, instead of being authentic. Yeah. Well, before we get too into it, can we profile you? Do you, what's your, what are your big astrological three? Oh, good Lord. I'm hoping you can help me with this. So I am a Libra (laughs) Mm -hmm. and uh, those are the things that I know about astrology. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, a Libra, I'm, I'm a Libra. Um, what I draw from more heavily in this side of my work, um, is that I'm a generator and almost everything that I do comes from a sacral space of, uh-huh or uh-uh. Um, and I, I, teach my clients how to do that. Even if they're not generators, I call it the pizza or sushi game. Like ask very mm. simple questions of like, do I want pizza? Uh, do I want sushi? Uh-huh. Right. And, and that's one of the ways that I help my clients, especially the, the non woo woo ones walk into a deeper relationship with their own intuition. I love that. So are you, do you have sacral authority then? I do. Okay. Well, you're in yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> we're twinsies. Yay. I don't know what my, I don't know what my other, my moon rising and whatnot. I'm a leader. We can do that. Fire. No, we can do that right yeah. now. All right. Well, now that, now that we know, <laughs> now that we know that you're Libra sun and rising. Cancer, and cancer moon. Now, like, I think that that just even makes you even more qualified to really talk about releasing stuff. Honestly, it's like yeah. in your wheelhouse basically. Yeah. Uh, I am the get rid of things girl. Oh, the other thing about your chart, which we should definitely should keep in, don't edit this out, is Pluto is in your first house. And Pluto is all about transformation. Oh, oh my God. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So there's a lot in your chart that's, that's about this. Um, the other thing that 
I see is that Mercury is in your 12th house and Mercury has to do with communication, things like that. And 12th house energy has a lot to do with, um, illusions and, um, like feeling imprisoned, um, and breaking, you know, shackles. Um, so Mm. you having Mercury, which is the planet of communication in that house means that you are adept at talking people through that experience. Wow. It's so, so yeah, your chart, your charts, like your human design feels spot on. Your chart is spot on too. Like you, you're really living in your design. You know what? I so feel weird? very I, authentic. I just cut. <laughs> I my see your deck. authenticity. <laughs> I just cut my tarot deck to shuffle because I was like, oh, I'm just gonna shuffle while we chat for the because we do tarot cards at the end. Yeah, and I opened to death, which is the transformation card as well, yeah. which is so wild. But yeah, death the death cards related to Scorpio. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, what does Scorpio have to do with any? Can you see that I'm super unqualified in all know. of this side <laughs> of it? You don't, you don't have to worry about it. Like we've got plenty of people who are brand new to astrology who listen. Yeah. So. Our whole thing with this is that we try to make it accessible for the newcomer and like the old hat, like somebody who knows all about mm-hmm. it. So. So I think that that's actually a great starting point for us to talk about, like when it comes to releasing things, I'd love to hear what, like what that really means. Like we can talk about what, like you are Dr. Liz, you can talk about what that looks like for you and in your practice. And we can talk about it just personally and stuff. But like, what does, what does everyone's process look like when we talk about like releasing? What is it? So let's start with the, Actually, let's start with the moon phase, Kaylee. Explain how releasing feeds into the moon phase. Okay. So if you remember from our moon phase episode that um, the full moon is kind of like the... um, Sorry, let me pull my notes back up. There we go. Um, so yeah, during the full moon, it's when we are giving thanks for the bounty of the crops. The last quarter, the waning moon is all about clearing our fields for the next round of crops. So we use the last quarter to make space for calling in, um, what we want to grow in this next cycle. And so using that on a, you know, lunar calendar sort of monthly basis is a good way to, you know, keep momentum moving on things and to keep variety in your, in your year, um, you know, so that things don't stagnate and then things that have bigger projects that it puts it into more bite-sized chunks, right? That if you are approaching a large scale, long-term project in these sort of like monthly bite-sized cycles, um, that things seem less daunting. It's, it's easier to plan out projects that way. Um, at least for me. And so, yeah, as far as the, the moon phases are concerned, this is, this is clearing the field um, so that you have the opportunity with that dark moon, new moon energy to let it winter and um, be ready for your next round of crops. But you have to clear everything away first before you can let the ground winter. Good time for decluttering, it sounds like. It's an mm-hmm. excellent time for decluttering. Yeah, this is a good time of the month to um, bring things to donation boxes, um, to, to decide what you're actually going to repurpose, or if you're not, go ahead and recycle it. You know, like this is, mm-hmm. this is a good thing, a good time of the month to take things out of your house. Yeah. Um, 
So for me, and I don't know how it looks like for you, but when it comes to like releasing beliefs, I basically just kind of like keep keep in mind. I'm like, okay, this is time for releasing things. So I pay attention to my thoughts a lot. And I'm like, what's coming up for me? And is this serving me or is it not? And if it's not serving me, I try to like kind of be a little more analytical about like, why, like, why am I seeing a resurgence of this? And like, what lesson is it trying to teach me right now? And then like, what's the medicine that I need from this? that's going to allow me to move forward in a more intentional way is does your process both of you guys does your process look differently from that like how do you do that um i i can go first so i typically i'm very dream oriented in the way that i both process things and then also check in with my subconscious and and feel where you know i'm being pulled to do work um, and happy to be candid about where I am on that for this particular month. I've had a lot of dreams that have been bringing up, um, grief that I had thought that I had processed more, um, that I haven't actually visited in a long time. Um, and also this attachment to, um, stability and predictability. Um, I've been having a lot of dreams about being at jobs that I'm glad I left mm, and I hate those, but yeah. it's, it, but they're also yeah. like, I'm here. It's stable. It's consistent. I'm it's safe. You know, like I know what I have to do with this job. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's definitely what I'm being called to release this month is, um, you know, it's been very, very deep grief that, that I've been dealing with this year. My grandmother passed away on Christmas day in 2019. It was, yeah, it was, it was a lot. And then having all of the grief around the pandemic, like um, almost immediately, like I had been on a plane at the end of January (laughs) and then all of this unfolded in all of this craziness. And then the grief for black lives and, Mm. It's just, it's, yeah. it's constant. So yeah, processing quite a bit of grief, um, a lot of it deep seated personal grief and then also societal grief. Um, and then of course I'm part of that grief is stability. There's no stability. There's no predictability right now. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting though. I like, I, I also, there's been a lot of grieving. There's been, I've been calling this, this, um, this past couple of months since the pandemic energy really swept over us, I've been calling it the Kmart blue light special of my life. Um, but like, the thing is I've had a couple of these clearance rack specials where like everything in my life has to go. And what I find on the other side of those cycles of grief, cause there is grieving, um, is a level of freedom that I didn't even realize I I was shackled. Like I I really did not realize it until I let go of X, Y, and Z. And it's funny because I I coach most of my divorce, most of my life transition coaching is around divorce. Um, And in that, like my own divorce story started um, like in a, a... formalized way when a neighbor who had gotten divorced handed me that life-changing magic of tidying up book that everyone was binging a couple years ago. And she was like, I did this and then realized the thing making me unhappy was my marriage. And like, I knew that my marriage was not in a good place, but I, I didn't have a clear sense of the things that were making me 
really, really unhappy was how much I had stepped out of authenticity to try to make this relationship work. And that that's not a condemnation of my ex-husband. He's a great guy. It's just to say who I was um, in that marriage was not who I am authentically. And as I started the process of letting go of these physical possessions, I realized that A, I, I was not my stuff, which I think is a thing that a lot of people get stuck on, especially like women going through divorce. The big thing for, for many of them is like, I want to keep the house. And I'm always like, you and your stability, I promise, are not related to the four walls that you're living in, right? And I think the process of releasing things, when we are called by the universe, like we, we come into a place of profound discomfort Right. And that's the universe's like hearkening call being like, yo, you got stuff to let go of. And you're just like, I don't wanna. Right. And, and like that, that feeling of like heaviness, like that is your golden ticket Willy Wonka moment to start to realize that you're about to level up. But you can't level up until you let go of where you are right now. And oftentimes that letting go comes with letting go of some stuff that you thought was pretty foundational to who you are, right? But when you walk through that process and you let go of those, those things, those relationships, those people, those jobs, what you realize is the consistency, the stability that you're talking about, right? Like, I wish I had stability. Like, the stability is in you, right? Like, it's in your connection to your higher self. It's in your connection to spirit. It's in your connection to the universe. And when we are given the opportunity, and by the way, opportunity looks a lot like job loss, divorce, right? Like if the opportunity often does not come with gift wrap, it comes with heartache and grief. And that is because we cannot become the people we are here to be if we don't let go of the person that we're being when we're being inauthentic. Yeah. It's not gift wrap, it's assembly required. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. 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 And, and it's a floating, right? It's a letting go of so that you can float. Right. And we don't, we don't climb to the next level. When we talk about level up, like level up does not like, sure. There's the human way to do it. Right. Like I'm going to climb up the ladder, but then there's the way that, that intuitives do it, which is like, I am going to really sit with myself and think about what are the things that I'm shackling myself in, in this level and I'm going to let go of every single one of those illusions that I have about who it is that I am. Because then when I do that, I will naturally ascend into the next level of this incarnation. Absolutely. That's actually like, I've been recognizing that I'm like an up level, another up level for me is happening because Mm -hmm. I've had like two weeks of now feeling like just this cocktail of negative emotions that I can't shake and Mm -hmm. stuff that I thought I had taken care of. So like imposter syndrome coming back, like, you know, weird inner child stuff coming up, Mm. money. Like, you know, you saw my post about like having shame over credit card debt. And this is after I had like a huge month. I made like $12,000 in cash in May. Like I was in this place of like, I thought I dealt with this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I could not place it. And, you know, my, my coach had like called me out. I was on a call today for like a group call with a bunch mm-hmm. of like everyone in our group. And she was like, yeah, you have a habit. She was like, you know, you're so um, like you retreat and you handle things yourself and you don't reach out for help when you need it. So, like, cause mm-hmm. like 
I'm like, that's just my go-to is to like, you know, very like get go hermity and like, yeah, let me go figure this out and report back. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And one of the, like one of the women was like, you know, I really feel called to like do a meditation with you or something. Like, would you be open to it? And I was like, yeah, sure. Whatever. And it was like, I just had it tonight, like before we talked and she like tapped into, she was like, I was just talking about things that were coming up really. And she like tapped on all these things that I was like, oh my God, that's totally it. So it's like partially like my inner child not feeling seen and mm-hmm. like also not feeling like she's getting enough play time. And then it's also like, you know, daddy issues. So like, I'm not super close with my, with my parents and you know, we were close at one time, but it was because it was dysfunctional closeness. It was like a lot of like manipulation and things like that. And like my big realization was like, I'm trying to like, think of myself. Like I like to think of myself as like, Oh, I'm like, take the high road, like love everybody all the time and like forgive and whatever. And my big revelation was I'm still angry and I'm not ready to forgive and I'm not ready to move on. And it doesn't matter that it's been five years, six years, whatever it is, like, you know, since like we had a big falling out and even though we're like on good terms, but like that internal, like forgiveness, that thing where it's like, I'm trying to access this like compassion for, for like somebody else other than me. And I realized like, oh, Mm -hmm. I just have to be okay with the fact that I'm not okay with it. And I'm not in a place to just like, you know, for let bygones be bygones. That's not where I am. And that's not going to come just because I want it to come. Like, I just have to like, let that go. Like let this need to like forgive and brush things under the rug. Like that's not where I am. And I, and a big Mm -hmm. part of that was because of all the social justice stuff going on right now. And I've been advocating a lot. And for years, I was the only person in my family who gave a shit about anything like this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, growing up, I was always like, that's not funny. That's like making those comments is wrong. And like, it was a black sheep for that. And so this, it's like, am I angry at racists and white supremacists? Yes. Am I also hurt and feeling ostracized because that's what this reminds me of? Oh yeah. And that's like what I had to realize is I was like, I need to reevaluate what this is about for me Mm -hmm. not use it for like processing my inner child stuff. Use this to Mm -hmm. be an advocate solely, like in the way that I want to be and not to like filter my own anger at whatever Mm -hmm. issues I have from my family with that. And you know, my family are all wonderful people, but everybody has like their shit. So, yeah, but yeah, that's like, it was, it was so layered and it, and I would not have seen that if I didn't allow someone to help me, which is a huge struggle that I have is like allowing people to be there in the moments rather than at the end to hold space after I figured it out for myself. I mean, I think that's part of the imposter syndrome, right? This, Mm -hmm. this sense of like, I will go figure out this math equation. And when I am done, I will come demonstrate for my math tutor how very fucking smart I am. And it's like, no, bro, <laughs> yeah. that's like what she's yeah. there for. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. So it's, so for me, it's been like a lot of like 
meditation and journaling and things like that. It's just really trying to tease it out and bring it to the forefront and just kind of be like, that's not my story. I'm going to, I'm going to write my own story and I'm going to accept the things that like I need to accept right now, you know? Yeah. I think that's part of releasing though, right? Because I think there's a very big difference when we talk about like process our shit, like let's use a a tangible metaphor of like, we're going to declutter our house, right? You've got this, well, let's, without being too personal, like, let's use the example of like a death of a family member, right? And there's a grieving, there's like the bypass grieving, which is, I'm just going to call college hunks hauling junk and like have them clean out my, you know, deceased relative's house. And I don't, I'm not really even going to look at it because it's just too painful. I'm just going to say, ah, we're going to stick an estate sale sign out in the front yard and whoever comes and gets stuff great and whatever's left, I'm just going to like get a dumpster and toss it. That is like one way that people deal with releasing is they're like, "Ah, I don't even want to look at it. Just like get rid of this feeling. (laughs) And the problem when we do that and we don't pick through and really like pick up each precious part of the hurt. Right. And I say precious very intentionally because in this culture, especially like we have this conditioning where we're told like our emotions are something that they're a liability. Right. And, and for those of us that are intuitive, we know like our emotional system is there for a reason. It's, it's our, it's our metal detector, right? When something pings for us, we're like, like that is our higher self telling us like, this is a thing that you need to look at. Right. And so when we are in the process of releasing something, if we don't, pick through all of the things and really look at them and go, okay, this is a thing, right? This is, this is my loved one's precious thing. And I am not going to just pass it off, right? This is a precious hurt. Like this is something that my inner child is still really hurting from. And we can either decide, fuck it, chuck it in the dumpster and move on, which we're just going to regret the rest of our lives. Or we really sit with it, look at it, right? Like we do the journaling, we do like EFT. I've done EFT for years now and, and do it now with a coach. Um, for the you know, newbies, for the newbies, can you spell that out? EFT, yeah. what is that? It's energetic frequency tapping. And it's um, a very, I think that and EMDR, which I actually can't spell out for you. Um, I don't know what EMDR even stands for, but I know what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So these are... T- so this is the doctor part coming in. Like these are two very, I think, powerful techniques that have come into vogue in therapy, EFT, I think more recently, um, that are specifically for moving through feelings, right? And so what a lot of, I think, spiritual bypass practices do is like, we're going to smudge, right? And not really think about the fact that that's also a cultural appropriation, right? We're just going to like smudge and like, turn on some music and, and like light candles and, and decide that yeah. we're okay. Right. Get you and a sound like, bath and mm, yeah, no. Yeah. Um, yeah. By the way, EMDR is eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. There we okay. go. You know, but the, the, the point is like these particular modalities allow you to acknowledge the, the shit and then move it on out as opposed to, I am going to just, like you said, write spiritual sound bath and then like, I'm a new goddess, reborn, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, meanwhile, yeah. you have like a rotting pile of dog shit sitting in your emotional pit, you know, like right. field. Yeah. Yeah. 
basically. Yeah, it's hard. It's not fun. Like the releasing process, it's really difficult, but it's so necessary for growth. You know, it's so funny. I get really excited now when I I call it spiritual constipation. I get really excited. Let's spit out your drink. <laughs> like I know when I am about to be called to let go of something big because I will get a feeling of kind of like energetic, like yeah, like something is stuck. And I used to get very, very, very scared of this, and now I have this almost kind of like, like it's gone from like emotional constipation to like emotional. I'm about to push out a baby, like something beautiful and new is coming. Um, and (laughs) I, I was in my old apartment today. I'm, I'm in the process of letting go of not just an apartment, but like living on land. Um, I went to my old apartment today to pick up some packages and to take photos of furniture because I am tomorrow buying a yacht that my son and I will live on and like the cost of, I mean, not the actual cost, but the, the part of the cost of this yacht is letting go of all of our furniture because, you know, fancy yachts come fully furnished. And there's a, there's a grieving to that. Like, am I fucking stoked to live on a yacht? (laughs) You better bet your ass. I am. My personal soundtrack is going to be the SNL. Like I'm on a boat. Everywhere I go, it's going to be like the president when they play Hail the Chief. That's going to be me. Every time I go anywhere, I'm just going to play Lonely Island. I'm on a boat. But, um, you know, there's, there's a grief involved in that. But there's a, there's like over the grief is like, it's like a grief cake with like excitement frosting. I'm just like, I know something good is coming. <laughs> Your story of how like you came to this realization about living on a boat. This is like one of my favorite stories that you tell. <laughs> so I'm going to have to ask that you share it with our listeners. Sure. I I was indeed on a boat. Um so it's funny you said like you were on an airplane in January and I was like, "I'll trump your oh god, sorry. Delete. Lowercase. I will I will uh one up. I will one up. Thank you. I will see your flight in January and I will raise you. I was on a cruise ship March oh, 1st. No. Oh no. March 1st. Oh my god. March 1st. So so I left a 2-year relationship. Febu- February 1st was when I realized I had to leave and it was funny because Ashley Wood was talking in the line about um the Pinnacle, which is who she channels. Um, she was saying that the pinnacle were like February 1st is the energetic new year. And I was listening to that episode, uh, sometime after that. And I was like, no fucking shit. Like I, I left it to your relationship with someone I was still very much in love with. And, um, it like just kind of everything very quickly started to shift and just like, whoosh, 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 whoosh. there was almost like this energetic vortex that started to spin around me. I had been introduced to Lacey Phillips work. Um, in late January, did her entire workshop on unblocked no before doing a therapy session my with favorite, my. That is my favorite workshop of hers. Is unblocked now. I did the whole fucking thing in one night. I stayed up almost all night before a therapy session where I went and broke up with my partner. Wow. I was because because I I knew it was going to be very difficult, and I like for those of you know you asked at the beginning like what's our process. So my process is I, I feel the energetic constipation. This is my inner child. For those of you listening, I have a picture framed of me at the same age that my son is now. Um, and I have 
her, little Beth. I grew up as Beth. Um, I have Beth there because I need to remind myself at all times, I'm always parenting my son who is six and I am parenting Beth who really went through a lot of painful stuff growing up. And so when I am being called by the universe to release something, my first thing is like circle the wagons around Beth. Like what do I need to do to take care of her? Um, and so like, as I was going into this therapy session that I knew was going to be very, very difficult to say like, thank you, but I have to go. Um, I like sat a friend of mine who's also intuitive had said like channel for yourself and like record it. Um, and just like, I really just asked the guides that hang out with me a lot. I was like, just like, what do you want me to know? And I listened to that video and then talked to Beth, that little picture right before going into this therapy session and just was like, I am pulling rank. Like mom is here. I'm going to take care of you. Like you are okay. We are okay. Like spirit is here and it's fine. And immediately after that, I started manifesting with a rapidity that I've never manifested with. And the first thing that I manifested was a cruise. My mom um, texted me and said my, my, she has a platonic partner and she was like, my partner can't come. Um, do you want to? And I immediately, I was like, no, I can't. And I was like, well, why the fuck not? Go a fucking doctor. Like I worked for someone else at the time, but it's not like, I'm not an administrative assistant. No one's going to die if I'm not there. Um, and so not that kind of doctor. Um, and so, so I just, I was like, wait, what? Like, I'm not at the beginning of my career, like trying to prove something. So I, I called the owner of our company and I was like, Hey, I can go on a free cruise next week. Like, is that good with you? And then I called my son's dad and I was like, do you mind if I take our son on a cruise? And he's like, I'll one up you. I'll keep, I'll keep the kid for a week. And I was just like, okay. So I'm like healing from this very fresh heartbreak. And I'm on a cruise ship with my mom and I was doing Lacey Phillips inner child. And I'm like wow. on this cruise ship with my mama doing inner child. Wow. And I'm like, Ooh, doggy, this is some big energy. <laughs> and wow. so I'm like, I'm on this cruise ship and we go and we take a day trip on one of the excursions to the, to St. John, um, in the Virgin islands. And I'm like floating in the Bay of St. John. And, um, my channeling has been coming in more and more and more literal in words over the past, um, I don't know, six to eight months. And it like really accelerated again, right after this breakup. Um, and like in words, my guides, well, the guides that I hang out with a lot, uh, were just like, can you please get over this narrative that you've given yourself that like, it's crazy to move to a boat. Can you please get over this idea that you keep like gaslighting yourself with you are supposed to live on a boat. And I'm like floating in the ocean. I was like, oh, really? And they're like, yeah. So can you stop please telling yourself this is crazy? Because this is like part of part of your story in this life is you you live on a boat. And I was like, oh. And I literally, like, I, I'm like floating here and just like, oh, okay. And I like was talking out loud. Thank goodness. Like no one else was out in the water close to me. Because I was like talking with God. They're like, all right. I can follow instructions. And so I like get back on the cruise ship and call one of the real, the realtor in DC. I live in Washington, DC that deals with, um, live aboards, which is the technical term for people living on a, like a, the kind of boat that you could live on or a boat that you live on. Um, and so I called the realtor from the cruise ship and was like, so I'm a single mom. Am I fucking crazy? And she's like, Nope. I, I was a single mom when I bought my first boat and I have three now, which I'm like starting to sense a theme that 
like boats are like potato chips. You can't have just one. I like, as of tomorrow, I will be the proud owner of two boats because I have a kayak and I, in, in short order, will probably also have a small motorboat. So I'm like, ah, all right. It's, <laughs> it's like a cat lady sort of thing. I'm going to have multiple yachts. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, that was it. And that was, uh, we got off that boat March 1st and I moved on to the boat that I'm renting May 31st. Um, no, not even like May 25th. But with this idea of kind of spiritual constipation and being called to let go of things, um, along those wait, right? Like I was, I was called to let go of this relationship with fucking sucked. Um, I was called to let go of this idea that I was like an employee and had to like prove something. I was like, no, if I want to go on vacation next week, I can like, I'm the end, right. The end. Um, I, I had to let go of an apartment, right. I had to let go of this idea that it's irresponsible to own a boat. I think I must have somewhere along the way, listen, I remember very clearly remembering listening to some financial podcast. And part of the story that I'm shedding is single moms are supposed to struggle. Um, that's a narrative that I'm releasing. And I heard like Dave Ramsey say on a podcast years ago, um, he was like financial irresponsibility spelled B O A T. And I was like, Oh, only financial train wrecks on boats. And like, I've had to release a lot of different things of like only people that are X do Y. And it turns out most of the things that are Y have made me really, really happy. Yeah. Some, so, um, I just came up, I just found a religious block, like, like yesterday, I think and <laughs> it was similar. It, and it was like, cause I remember like, I'm, I, I don't know what my parents thought of me when I was a child, but I was like very like, like basically out of the womb was talking about like being famous. Like I just like knew I was going to be famous. And like now I've like re-embraced it because like, I'm like, there's nothing wrong with wanting that clearly. Like my soul has been put on this earth for that, like to be known, to be seen because I knew it at such a young age. And, um, I had, so I went to Catholic school with, I mean, that's where Kaylee and I met. We met in elementary school. And one of the first, like a Bible, like I was terrified when I was a kid, I was terrified of dying. And I was like, hell was part of it, but it was mostly just death in general. Mm, First mm. time I heard, which I later found out is a symptom of anxiety in children, which explains a lot, (laughs) but, but we're, that's a story for another time. So I remember the first time I heard this Bible quote, it like seared itself into my brain. And I just realized like yesterday that it was something I was, that was still looping in my subconscious. And it was, it is easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than a rich man to get into the kingdom of heaven, to enter into the kingdom of heaven. And I interpreted that to mean like, you can't want or need money at all if you are a good person. And then growing up in a family of of like, you know, four kids, the oldest of four kids and my parents like, you know, sacrificing to send all of us to private school because the public schools at the time were not great. Um, like they're you know, still not. Oh, they're still <laughs> still not, but they're better than they were um, in Port St. Lucie, anyway. And I realized that, like, okay, I got the additional 
programming that like good girls don't have wants or needs because anytime you express something, yeah. you risk getting chewed out for like, you know, we don't have money for that. You know, mm. so it was like, I realized like, okay, to be good, I must not want, and I mm. must specifically not want money. And I realized that that was the thing that was happening. So I had this, like, you know, I had such a big, like cash month. And then all of a sudden, like I pulled back and I was like, where did that come from? It came from this. Yeah. It came from this place of like, I can't be good and, and, ha- and be wealthy. And like, that's bullshit. Like, clearly I know now as an adult, I'm like that, that, what that quote is really saying is like absolute power corrupts absolutely is like what it is. It's the tempt, the temptation is always there, but like, what? Like, like being a kid and hearing that in black and white terms, I was like, oh, that means like, if I want to be good, I cannot want money. I mean, I think that's a really powerful narrative in our culture period though. I'm, I'm in recovery and I remember hearing in the room someone being like um something like money is the root of all evil and i ran nonprofits before i was a private coach i ran nonprofit organizations and have raised you know for for small nonprofits i've raised a, a decent amount of money more than a million dollars in about 5 years for different organizations and um like money <laughs> money is just energy money makes stuff happen and when people are like money is the root of all evil. I'm like, "Mm, what's your life look like? You happy? Things going well for you? (laughs) Right. Cause like, I I don't want to pretend that there aren't people in the world that, that find a lot of liberation in living a simple life. Um, but that doesn't have to come with financial instability. right? Right. And that's actually something that I've had to release um, in, I left, um, I left working for a law firm in the midst of this pandemic. I had to make the decision, had to release the idea that a, I needed the stability of an employer, um, to Kaylee's point. And then B, I need to release this idea that single moms can't be wealthy. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, it is, it is not cheap to work with me. Um, the training that I did was, was not cheap. The, the training that I continue to do continues to be not cheap. And my rate reflects that. And my clients' results reflect that, right? And I, I stand by my rate and like, yeah, I'm not Motel 6. I'm the, you know, Ritz fucking Carlton. And if you want that kind of outcome for your life, and all of us should want that kind of outcome for our life, you know, there's a price tag associated with it. And I felt much more comfortable standing behind that rate when someone else was getting the bulk of that, right? My employer was getting most of that, which isn't to say my employer wasn't taking care of all of our staff right. members. It's mm-hmm. to say when I stepped out of the structure of another company and all of that money was going to me, oh man, that was some scary shit. That was yeah. some scary shit. And I think when we're talking about the subject of releasing, you know, it is a pervasive cultural narrative that money and like badness go together. Like you can't have a pure heart and, not just be affluent, but really want affluence, right? Yeah. Like that makes you a bad person. And I think like, I don't know the demographic of your podcast, but I'm going to go on a limb and say that it's decently chunk of it is female, correct? Female identifying. Yeah. Female identifying. Yeah. So, you know, in, in my world, right. Divorce, um, women are three times more likely to leave a divorce living in poverty than men. Wow. And it's because we are, well, A, some of it is the wage gap, sure, 
but some of it is sex. I don't want to say sexism. Some of it is gender roles, right? Mom is going to stay home for 20 years and raise the kid. Dad has built a successful company. They fight it out in court. Mom can't afford an attorney, blah, 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 right? This whole cycle, that's part of it. But a big part of it is women are afraid to like become contentious in any way, shape, or form. We have this idea that if we stand up and say, this is what I'm worth, right? Whether it's in divorce or in a job interview or whatever, it's salary negotiation. We think if we say, this is what I'm worth, this is what my value is, that people will go, you're terrible, right? And and when you're in a divorce, that, that may actually come to pass, right? Like if you say, hey, listen, this state statute says that I'm entitled to half of your fucking retirement. Yeah, I haven't worked a day in my life because I like, birth four kids out of my vagina and guess what that was work too right like when women advocate for what they are entitled to be it in divorce or otherwise we are thought of as bitches right and so part of what we need to release is the idea that we are dependent on someone else's approval in order to have that stability that Kaylee was talking about in the beginning right that stability comes from a connection with our higher self. It does not come from relationship with other people. It doesn't come with owning stuff. doesn't come with having the marital status. doesn't come with whether or not you own a home. All of those things may be great and nice, but they are not stability. Stability comes from within. Right. Right. And I think that that's another part of this, this narrative around um, money, wealth, and, the sort of weaponization of religion in Mm -hmm. using the idea of humility to keep people impoverished and in oppression. Yeah. yeah. And so, I mean, like it's something that I work through with people. I'm like very anti-capitalist, but I I feel like a lot of people have a misconception that anti-capitalist means that it's anti-money Mm-hmm. And that anti-capitalism is that you are distributing wealth and honoring the work that people are doing by paying mm-hmm. them directly instead mm-hmm. of having this hierarchy, right? It's mm-hmm. it's a Ponzi scheme. And so by taking this lesson of humility that is part of pretty much every religion. Humility is an important value to have because Mm -hmm. it recognizes when you have wealth that in that humility, like if we're going to talk about tarot, the the wheel of fortune is going to bring you up and it's going to bring you back down. And when you are living in abundance, your abundance shines in your community. Yes. And so when capitalism uses the idea of humility to to tell people that money is evil, mm-hmm. it keeps them oppressed and impoverished and not in a place of humility because the humility isn't shared. If humility is shared through a community, then everybody is in abundance. But when you have capitalism, humility is not at the top, right? I don't look at somebody like Jeff Bezos and say, humility, that is not a word that comes to mind for me. And it's that's my soapbox for this episode. There you go, guys. <laughs> no, <laughs> right? but, I, but I, I I think it's interesting because humility and confidence to me are actually really they're hand in hand. Rela- 
Absolutely. Yeah, you know, like I grew up in a fairly, like despite my beautiful liberal New Yorker mother's best intentions, like she put us into a church community after she got divorced because she thought that would be a good place to get support. And and I ended, in, I ended up in a very conservative Christian youth group where I learned not to be a lesbian, which, like, spoiler alert, it doesn't work out well. You can't Certainly doesn't. You can't, on, you can't talk yourself out of that, it turns out. Um, but in the process of that, I learned, I think a lot of really damaging things, but among them was that humility had something to do with thinking badly of yourself, Mm -hmm. right? Like if I hate, if I hate myself a little, then that means I'm humble. And there's a false, this, I see, I see this a lot actually in, in the clients I work with that are addicts. Um, I, there's a false uh, conflation of self-hatred and humility. And when we pull it apart, what we really see is like self-hatred is actually a form of narcissism, right? Because it becomes this space in which it's like, well, everyone pay attention to how much I suck. Um, which isn't to say that that's intentional. Um, it's to say conditioned. I mean, often, yeah, it's conditioned and, and it's gendered almost Mm -hmm. always it's gendered. Right. Um, but with humility, humility comes from a place of, I am good with who I am and I don't need to have hubris in, in how I carry myself forward. Right. Like I'm, I, I don't know that I project an air of humility. I, I certainly project an air of approachability. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it's funny. I, <laughs> I listen to a song a lot on the on my um, car iPod, which dates back to 2006 and doesn't have much new music. And, and there's a song on there called I, and, I'm the world's greatest. And it's like a very mo- motivational song. And my little six year old pops up from the backseat and he goes, mommy, this is a really mean song. And I was like, Oh really? I'm like, oh, God, it doesn't have any bad words. What's going on. Um, and he was like, it's really mean to say that you're the greatest. It means you're, you're better than somebody else. And I was like, huh? Huh. And like, as someone like life transition coaching really all comes down to finding stability within yourself so that you can make hard decisions about what you have to let go of. Right. Like if I'm good with me, then it doesn't matter where I go. It doesn't matter. My job doesn't matter who I'm married to. Like I'm good with me and therefore I will make good choices for my future, whether I'm alone, whether I work for myself, whatever. Um, so my, my little kids in the back and he's like, it's mean to say I'm the greatest. And I really like pivoted inward. I'm like, what, what, what is the teachable moment here about authenticity? What is the teachable moment about the kind of person that I'm hoping to cultivate my little moldable six-year-old into? And I said to him, I was like, it's, it's good to say that you're the greatest at being you. I was like, you know, you are the greatest Liam. I used his last name. I want on this podcast, but you know, I was like, you are the greatest Liam in the world. And he's like, well, I'm not. I'm like, are you the greatest Liam last name who lives on a boat, who has a dog named Lucky, a dog named Clover and blah, blah, like ran him through the whole thing. And he goes, I was like, are you the best at being that Liam? And he goes, yeah. And I was like, exactly. Like that is humility to me is being able to say, yeah, I'm, I'm the best version of myself that I can be. And when we stand in a confident place of, yeah, I'm really, I'm really good at at being myself, right? I feel comfortable in my own skin. I'm not putting on airs. I'm not trying to prove anything to anybody. 
that's when that genuine spirit of humility can wash past us because we're not trying to prove anything. Right. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I think that the humility that comes from that too, is that when we realize that we have more to learn and have more to grow, that when Mm -hmm. we have the humility of saying that I am being the best version of my authentic self, that Mm -hmm. you're not a bad person for not knowing or doing something or doing something wrong, right? That your authentic self can operate in society in a wrong way and learn from it. And that's totally fine. Absolutely. I mean, like we're learning that right now with white supremacy. We're all, anybody who is white or non-black is having to move through that humility. And it is totally okay to say, I am wrong. And I'm not a bad person because we, we conflate wrongness with badness. And that goes back to that weaponizing humility, right? That Mm. keeping people in these systems is, is part of the tool of capitalism, of supremacy, all of these systems that, that hurt people. And that when we embrace humility is when we actually grow and move out of these things and dismantle them. Um, So I, I spent an extended time on my soapbox today. <laughs> I think it's so needed. It's true, I mean, though. Like, I, I didn't even realize that there was that, like, as Liz had put it, the conflation between, like, self-hatred and humility. I it, mm-hmm. Like, the second you said it, I'm like, you're so fucking right. But yeah. it never occurred to yep. me before. And I think that's a message people need to hear. So I have this group that I meet with weekly. We talk about um, each of the cards in the tarot deck in order. So we started with the fool and we're moving our way up. And today, uh, the day that we're doing this recording, we actually met and talked about the card strength. And the card strength is depicted as a woman um, petting um, a lion, right? Mm. And you can read it in a few different ways. It looks like it's a comfortable experience for both of them, that there's Mm -hmm. rapport being built and that there's a relationship there. And so this, this came up in this conversation that the gentleness and compassion of this woman was easily received by some you know, sort of like primal creature that is perceived as being ferocious and violent and that compassion and, and this force go hand in hand and are actually a very beautiful relationship. And that's exactly what humility in this conversation is. Mm -hmm. Um, and to go back to like how we parent ourselves, right? That we're, we're talking to ourselves um, and walking ourselves through this strength of saying like, this is me. Um, right. Yeah. There's it's, it's, it, I'm having like a lot of kismet moments that we talked about this card today and we're talking about these topics now. It's just, it's very funny to me. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think the through line, right. What does humility have to do with releasing? What does all of this, right. Like what does this mm, have to do with yeah. releasing? Right. Humility to me is a deep grounding in 
being okay with yourself and not having anything to prove, right? Because hubris walks into a cocktail party and tells you how great it is, right? Humility walks into a cocktail party, gets a drink, talks and talk to people and be like, oh, tell me about what you do. Oh, oh, you're into Tara. Oh, my sister went to that school too. How crazy, right? Humility walks into a cocktail party with nothing to prove because humility feels good about who he is, right? And when we think about that sort of energy, right, that energetic signature that, that we have the opportunity to embody, what does that have to do with releasing? To me, release the accumulation of things, whether they're beliefs, stuff, property. Um, I'm not going to put money in here because money to me is not a thing. It's an energy. Um, so I'm talking specifically around like the cultural narratives that we're built into, right? Like my, my son is struggling a little bit with this right now as we're living outside of a city at the moment and he's being exposed to some ideas that I'm uncomfortable with. Um, you know, like we are inculcated with things that we need to release if we're going to be happy as an adult. We accumulate crap along the way, right? Like physical and otherwise. And humility gives us the opportunity to realize like we don't actually need any of this stuff. Like I I was having an uncomfortable conversation with a friend from growing up who um, still is in a place of, of discomfort with homosexuality. And I, I was not only was I surprised to find this out. I, 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 without intending to insult this person, I laughed in their face because it was laughable to me that someone would think that, that any part of anyone's identity, um, you know, or, or just composite, right? Like I'm, I'm five eleven and I'm a lesbian. Like those two things were like programmed into the DNA of who I am. And I now find it laughable when, when things about who I am rub people the wrong way, because it's, it's such like, I'm so good with who I am that it, it like, it's funny to me, not in a like, ha, you think I suck. It's just like, Oh, really? Oh, that's so strange. Right. Yeah. And yeah. like, when we are humble, we can release the need. Like, like it, I, I waited until I was 36 to come out of the closet. It was a deeply painful experience for me. And now that I've like released this idea that this was something that would hold me back from having the kind of life I want to live because gosh darn it, you can't be a lesbian and be happy said the West Ohio United Methodist conference. Um, you know, <laughs> name check. There y'all are. Hey, um, <laughs> we'll call you out. No, nobody's exempt. The perfect place. This is the perfect podcast. To no one is exempt. No one's exempt. What's up? Kings high school with your Hell house <laughs> posters public school. Um, you know, when we are humble, meaning our working definition that we're going to take for this professor Dubois on the house, working definition is going to be that we're grounded deeply in a sense of who we are and we're okay with it. And we have nothing to prove, right? Humility is simply nothing to prove when we are grounded in that. And we know that we have nothing to prove. We, we can release anything because who we are is no longer dependent on that thing whether it's a belief, right? Like I cannot be a successful like million dollar business owner with a happy marriage and be a lesbian. Those, those three things can't exist, but fuck that. That's not true. Right. Right. And like the more that we go inward, connect to spirit, connect to our higher self, connect to the spirit guides that we hang out with, the more that we do that, the more that we find, um, you know, that we kind of settle in, 
comfy with ourselves, the more we can release because none of it matters, right? Like I don't, like I'm, I'm living in a boat that I manifested for the summer. I wanted to test out living in a boat. I don't need this boat. I can always manifest another one, right? Like the yacht I'm barring tomorrow. Like I don't need this yacht. I can always manifest another, right? Like I manifested the perfect pair of jeans tonight for a photo shoot, right? Like it's easy, it's easy, it's easy. And when we let go of the idea that we have something to prove, life becomes very easy because we're just comfortable in our own company. You're blowing my li- my mind tonight, Liz. So, so I've, I've got. I yeah. feel like you said everything I needed to hear to like release a lot of shit that's come up for me this week. I'm, that's. I knew you were going to be the perfect guest for this. Like I was like, oh, yes. And I was like, we're making this happen. We had the like most bizarre, <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. like schedules that didn't work, and and I think it's really okay to release messy if that makes sense Mm. Uh right like we're not gonna get it right this is not like a god bless her marie kondo really did i will be that basic bitch like the life-changing magic of tidying up really did change my life okay so i fall into that pinterest board and i will own it but (laughs) i think you're talking to a bunch of millennials so like right yeah i'm good i'm good yeah we stay on marie for sure yeah yeah no, it's funny because I'm manifesting a TV show right now. And so I'm just kind of like, I'm just going to own it because she has a Netflix special. It's fine. Um, and I, I think that like the, the key and the secret to all of this is just letting go of the things that make us unhappy allows us to become who we really are. Yeah. So let's, yeah. let's if we can, do we have time? Yes. I think we can probably make this work. Um, talk about some processes that we have for actually releasing things. Cause I have some magic related ones, but you're a guest and I'm sure you have some lovely ones that you can share with us too. Um, so wherever we want to start, I can start with it or wherever we want to go. I've already shared mine. It's just like journaling and thinking. That's just what I do. Um, so mm-hmm. I'll, I'll pass it over to Liz. What kind of sciencey things do you like? <laughs> Science. things, yeah. <laughs> what are the therapy things? Um, journaling is a really powerful tool. It's funny. I have a client that really, I have a longstanding client that does not like to write. And sometimes she'll kind of like bring her brain into the shop. And I'm like, I have no idea how to fix you. I don't have any tools here. <laughs> like, which is not true at all. And, and we're never broken. So don't go to a therapist Speak into that a says voice you need memo. to be- I say that all the time. If you don't oh, want to write, great voice idea. memo it. Yeah. So, okay. Thank you. you. You taught me a new trick. So, so the big things that I have used in my own process have been um, a lot of going inward. I started a meditation practice as part of a 12-step program that I was in um, when I was 22. And meditation has been a pretty central component of my daily practice since I was 22. I'm almost 37. And so I've had the benefit of 15 years of sitting uncomfortably with myself, which eventually turns into sitting comfortably with yourself. Um, And I think the more comfortable I become with who I am, the more clear it is what I need to release. Um, Because like it, it is no longer a natural state for me to be uncomfortable. And when I'm uncomfortable, I'm immediately aware of something that I need to let go of because my natural set point now is 
happy with who I am. And when I'm not, I'm like, whoo, there is a stinking pile of shit somewhere here and it's gotta go. Um, cause, cause I know, like, I know I am not the stinking pile of shit anymore. And for a very, very long time, I thought I was the pile of shit. Um, mm-hmm. and the process of releasing not just narratives, but things, right. I've released my marital home. I have released what I thought was my dream car that in turns out actually like really didn't work for who I was. Um, cause it was built on a lot of beliefs about things that, that Beth wanted little Beth, right. My little inner child wanted that, that grown up was, has to offer, right. Like all of these different things. So for me, discomfort is a really important part of my process. Recognizing that I am uncomfortable as opposed to just like, I don't, uh, like something's off today is like stop in your tracks. What is actually going on? Right. Cause like my, your it, listeners of this podcast, your natural set point, I promise is not uncomfortable. Like we are born whole and divine. And if you feel uncomfortable in your own skin, that is the universe telling you girlfriend, you got to clean something out. Right. And so discomfort I think is our very first invitation of starting a process, right? I'm uncomfortable. Okay. Let's sit down and really like sit with that. Um, deep breathing. I am a huge fan of body works. Um, trauma, especially because I deal with PTSD a lot in my practice, trauma sits within our body. It can be very difficult to access just through journaling. Um, I think journaling is like a really, really good processing tool. I generally have people start with body work, which is deep breathing, meditation, um, EFT, which I've talked about a little bit on this podcast, you can simply go to YouTube and type in EFT. It's a process that different than EMDR, you need a therapist's help. help. Tapping, you can do yourself. You can go on YouTube, figure out how to do it. It's very easy. It's free. Um, So look at the discomfort, get quiet with yourself, use some sort of technique to move that feeling through your body. My personal favorite is EFT. Go to YouTube. You can learn how to do it. It's fucking free. Um, and then I think there's a, a big component of my practice of releasing, which is physical movement. Um, I'm a runner. I like to run. I'm a walker at the moment because my knees don't like to run. Um, I go kayaking a lot. Um, and then finally just like actually doing the work of letting go of something. I think, that there's, um, we have a lot of ingrained cultural crap about like, there's some sort of heroism and nobility and holding on to things that are painful. Like I'm going to struggle through this. Right. Like, just look at like, well, I mean like bringing back the strength card that the more you can carry, the stronger you are. No, it's choosing what you carry shows what strength you have. And yes, carrying yourself is the strongest thing to do. Um, yes, 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 yes. And standing in your truth that you're okay and that you're enough, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I manifested like my most terrifying rock bottom was that I had manifested my absolute dream life and I was miserable. That was hands down the, the biggest rock bottom of my life was recognizing I had gotten all of the things. I've been a very specific manifester since I was eight. And I said, I was going to work for Disney world when I grew up. First job I had <laughs> was working for Disney world. Well, wow. worked for pizza, worked for a pizza restaurant, but then went and worked for Disney world. Right. Like I, before I knew what manifestation was, I've been a specific manifester. And, 
um, I manifested my dream life and was miserable because I was manifesting from a place of inauthenticity. And when I think about my process around releasing, it's identify discomfort, get into my body because my body will immediately tell me what's actually wrong. Um, and then I, I pray a lot. Mm. Like I'm pretty as woo as you get. Um, but I, like I pray, I, I literally get on my hands and knees every morning. I'm a pray on her knees kind of girl. Um, I talk to spirit all day long. Um, I do muscle testing all day long. Like I, I've really struggled with eating disorders my whole life. Well, since about six and, um, I do muscle testing when I'm about to eat. I say, you know, do you, do you want to eat broccoli? Yes. No. Do you want to eat, you know, pasta? Yes. No. Um, and like, that's a big component of my process is simply tuning into my body and then, and then doing the work of moving those feelings through using, some sort of energetic technique. And for me, tapping is really an effective one. That's also fucking free. Yeah. Um, And then I work with a coach. Like I will never, ever again in my life, not have a coach in my life because my life gets better when I have a coach. Yeah. That's fantastic. I absolutely love that. It's, it's interesting too. I think that like with the woo woo stuff, a lot of this does, it's basically the same, right? So like for magical practices, um, a lot of what I try to focus on is washing, cleansing it. And so it's, you know, to kind of talk about, you know, the shit in the room, um, that you're not the shit in the room, that you've got shit to clear out, that you have to clean it, right? We've been using this Marie Kondo sort of analogy for in the things that we carry. Um, and so when it comes to intangible things, um, that meditating on it is, is key. You have to know exactly what it is you're cleaning out because if you're just spraying Lysol on everything, it doesn't actually clean it. Um, it just <laughs> kill all the things, right? Yeah. You're just like <laughs> disinfecting a bunch of shit, <laughs> which no, that's not <laughs> which at all. may or may not actually make you feel better. <laughs> it, it's probably going to make you feel worse. Honestly, you're probably going to feel really fucking sick. Um, don't drink uh, bleach guys. We didn't learn that already this year. So, just eat but a bunch of Tide Pods and you'll feel better. Oh <laughs> eat the all the Tide Pods. <laughs> the president told me I should drink bleach, so I should. I, I gotta say, I kind of miss when when the weirdest thing that was going on was that people were talking about eating Tide Pods. I miss those days. I miss them. Um, but yeah, so clean it. So how do we clean things magically? We use the elements. So you can use... Water, fire, air, or earth. One of the practices that I use the most, and you can blame my Sagittarius moon for this and all of that fire energy, is that I write down what I've identified through tarot, through meditation, through journaling, like all of these very therapeutic, like based in science processes. I write them down and I fucking burn them. (laughs) And it's the easiest thing to do. So long as you're not setting your house on fire, please don't do that. But it's incredibly um, cathartic, right? To watch. I love to light paper on fire. It's fantastic. And it's 
a really easy way to just let it go. And I think that there's to kind of, you know, bring back the conversation of, of spiritual bypass that people are like, oh, but if you burn it, then it manifests it. That's not how the shit works at fucking all. Wait, what? It, Yes. Yeah. That's like, what? Yeah. No, No. that's like a big part of spells that when you burn something, it like pushes that energy out into the universe and manifests it. It's the same thing as like ruminating on difficult Uh, and, and, you know, like if you're thinking about it, then you're manifesting it. Same thing with, with magic that there's this like misconception that if you burn something that you manifest it, um, intentions, everything folks. And so yeah, that's a really great one. Another one is doing the same thing, but dropping it in a cup of salt water, right? And then just letting it sit in on your altar and bask in that last quarter waning moon energy. Um, that's a really great way to cleanse it and let it go. Um, burying it, using earth for that. Or um, for air, you could a few ways that you could do it is it's probably not the most common one but if you wanted to write it down and then pass it through smoke that's a way to use air or um using actually if you burn it and then use the ashes and blow them away kind of like treating it like a dandelion that's another way to incorporate air mm-hmm. um for this particular process here is a little bit more difficult if you guys have creative ideas for that please comment because i'm curious um yeah. So yeah, that's some magical ways to do it. And the timing on this is definitely good. Um, you know, any, any time that you're doing something between the last quarter and the dark moon, it's, it's very releasing. You have plenty of time to do it. You don't have to pick a particular day um, or time or anything like that. You can if you want to get nerdy about it. But um, yeah, burn it all away. I love it. Do you want to pull cards? Hell yeah. I always want to pull I'm, cards. I'm going to do, I'm actually going to do my Oracle deck. My so I brought my Oracle deck. I oh, knew you were going to do it. I knew you were going to say Oracle <laughs> deck. What are you, psychic? Um, yeah. <laughs> I, so I just really love this deck. It's like been my favorite. There's so much wisdom in it. Like, oh, I don't even like bring my own interpretation. I just like read the card and then read out of the book because it's so beautiful. Like, and the I think the card I pulled for this is so perfect. For so we're just doing the one card. I'm going to do the one card. You can do more if you want. No, I have um, a card I just pulled is great. These passages are so long that like we'd be here all night if I pulled yeah. more than one. But the card I pulled is I communicate with compassion. Oh, my God. I know, right? Wow. And it's just like... This card actually makes me think of you, Liz. I love it because, like, her heart looks like it's really open, but she's mm. just like, here I am, like, in all her glory. Oh, yep. Um, so love let me it. Pull this up. Yeah, this is – I haven't pulled this one yet, so I'm excited to read the message for it. Okay. I communicate with compassion. Communication and compassion both share layers of meaning and manifestation. Each has the ability to affect through expression and iteration. Looking at their fusion, we may be reminded of the ancient Egyptian goddess Hathor, who is the personification of love, beauty, music, dance, maternal energies, and joy. 
and is further embodied as the goddess Aphrodite for the Greeks and Venus to the Romans. It was believed that Hathor's heart shone through life, death, transformation, and transfiguration. In waking life, she took on different attributes of Neter's as needed, animals such as the cow or the cat and the cosmos. She was often depicted as the embodiment of the Milky Way. In the life of the underworld, she acted as an usher through the afterlife, greeting the dead with refreshments and comfort. Every iteration of the Hathor life force found resonance with tenderness and a type of sympathetic communication that expressed the necessary magic of the moment, as she could feel, sense, think, and embody within a twinkling of time. Compassion is something to actively communicate, is a fluid ideal that transforms with each expression and sentiment depending on what metaphorical cards are dealt in coping with the situation at hand. A reminder of the virtues of compassion find resonance in the suits of the minor arcana of the tarot, energetic correspondences of the elements of Hathor's heart. Compassion, like the suit of cups, which may be filled and drank from, is, the feel, is a feeling of relationship to the matter at hand. Compassion can be in a thought, like the suit of swords, which communicates its power through action and discernment. Compassion, like the suit of pentacles, can be a sensation in the way of a hug or an expression of affection where matter is met with mindfulness. Compassion, like the suit of wands, is something that can be intuited and expressed through the silent holding of space when it is needed. Body language and living language rooted in kindness and a loving nature are the embodiment of the humane, the life force of nature applied through empathetic elucidation and a fluency in the great faculties of the senses as the vehicle to affect through affection, affection being eternally effective in life, death, and all of the dimensions in between. Hmm. Love that. I feel like that was like a really solid job description for me. Thank you. Right? <laughs> yeah. You just really perfectly encapsulated my day-to-day job. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Website copy done. <laughs> I mean, it's it's spooky how spot on yeah. these things can be. And I, I I think the one that I pulled for you too is is going to have a lot of the flavor of that too. It's funny to me that death in the underworld came up with your reading, Jesse, because we were talking about Pluto in the first house and that transformation, you had pulled the death card when you were shuffling, like, you know, and so I, so I'm reading guys, I'm not going to die tomorrow. Am I? (laughs) No, definitely not. It's all about it's transformation. Transformation. Yeah. It's very, very butterfly energy that like sitting in the discomfort of being the goo of the chrysalis is the beauty of becoming the butterfly. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, I pulled, so I'm reading from the animal spirit deck from the wild unknown. Um, and the card that I pulled for you is the scorpion, which, yeah, I know. (laughs) Oh my God. Big Pluto Scorpio energy all about, you know, that, that sort of like death as transformation. So I'm also going to read the description for you just because I think that a lot of it's going to resonate. So the scorpion is a passionate and determined creature. Their career is very important to them, as are the few select friends that they keep in their circle. 
Sometimes the scorpion's heat festers and they focus an unresolved event from the past, usually a situation where they were left feeling burned. The scorpion card says it's time to clean out, um, to come clean about your feelings so everyone can heal and you can get back to your usual fiery but fun self. When the scorpion is imbalanced, it's wild and free and fierce. When it's out of balance, it's jealous, resentful, and unresolved. To bring it back into balance, have honesty and have forgiveness. Love it. So good. Love it. They both go together so well, too. Yeah. No, it's so funny that small circle of friends, one of the things that's been really powerful in releasing for me was this idea of if I was a good friend, that, like, good friends have friends for life. And if I let any friendships wane from past relationships, that meant that I was a bad friend. And that, that's been a thing I've had to release this mm. year. Not had to, I've been invited to release that idea. And I actually, I, in the process of kind of like this, I'm in a little bit of a shedding still, but some of it's a rebuilding. Anyway, whatever, all of the things are relevant, but I, I made a board of Um, It says people who will unconditionally affirm the shit out of you. And Mm -hmm. Jesse, as you'll see, your name is on that board. Um, (laughs) And so I I just, I'm really, um, I'm tickled that 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 came up because, um, yeah. It's very tight. Tight friendships. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Absolutely. Very protective energy to the scorpion. Mm -hmm. Love it. Yes. Love it. I'm so glad that we, this was like the perfect episode for you, Liz. I'm so glad that you can join us. I'm really glad that this worked out. Yeah. Me too. Me too. And, um, where can people find you? So I'm on TikTok and divorce. Uh, Nope. That's not true. Ooh, we're getting late. (laughs) Yeah. I'm on, I'm on TikTok and Instagram as divorce doc, which is just divorce and then D O C. And then I am on Facebook as Dr. Liz Dubois. And you can find me there as Soul Dr. Liz. Um, I also run a Facebook group for women called Authentic AF. And then I run a Facebook group specifically for women going through divorce, just to niche it down a little bit more. And that's called Divorced AF. So if you are going through a divorce and you are looking for sound, legal, trained, actual non-bullshit, call my lawyer's best friend, sister's dog's hairdresser, you can't afford a lawyer and you need good legal guidance, not advice, but legal guidance as to how to deal with your divorce case, everyone is entitled and worthy of having good help. Please go to Divorced AF on Facebook. Lots of attorneys are part of that group. We can absolutely help connect you with people that can give you some good guidance. And yeah, that's me. Divorce group is... I'm not in the divorce group, but I'm in the authentic, yeah, I'm in the <laughs> authentic AF group, and it is—it's really good. It's your you. your advice in there is just like so, um, just so eye-opening and affirming. It's really great. So, oh, thank it. you, mm-hmm. thank you. And then if you are going through a divorce, I'm sorry. Um, and good luck. Congratulations, you found me. Um, my website's just divorcesfreedom.com. I love that. It is my, one of my, my best friend from law school, when she got divorced, she had a party, like she had, um, like a yeah. toy party and it, yes. was, it was actually really fun. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Like I, I feel like there's a tawdry version of my website 
that I will one day make just for fun and it'll be like no more bad, like no more bad sex.com or something. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, like, you know, when I, when I talk about my branding a lot, I'm like, well, the American cancer society, like their branding is not like we solve cancer. It's like proud sponsor of more birthdays. And I'm like proud sponsor of better sex. Yes. Proud sponsor of better it. sex. I don't want you to get divorced. I want you to stop having bad sex. And that may involve a divorce. <laughs> yeah. um, that's okay. We have the technology. We can make you bigger, faster, stronger. <laughs> <laughs> that's another and, and less married. We can also make you less married. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Well, Liz, thank you so much for tuning in. And like, we'll probably have to have you back for something else in the future. But thanks again. And I hope everybody... My pleasure. Yeah. I hope everybody learned so much from this. And we want to know what you're releasing as well. So come tell us. Like, Come over to Millennial Mystics on Instagram. You can find us at mmysticspod on Twitter. We're on Facebook. We have a group. It's currently me and Kaylee. That's it. <laughs> I did oh, officially I think, join. Yeah, no, I'm in it. <laughs> I, think, I think Kylie joined as well. Oh, yeah. So there's that. Yeah. But it's growing and we are there. So you can come talk to us and like give us all your all your thoughts and ask us all your questions. We're happy to be there. Oh, and, and I I forgot to mention, I, <laughs> BTW, I also run, I have a podcast, duh. Oh, um, yeah, of course, of course. I'm like so, I'm so in the mode of like, we're recording a podcast that it like, doesn't occur to me to plug my podcast because yes. I think I'm recording my podcast. I'm not, I'm not. I <laughs> My podcast is called Small No More. Um, like I said, I've done this work for 10 years in four countries. I'm convinced women everywhere in every situation make themselves small. So my podcast is just small no more. You can find it on Apple. You can find it wherever, wherever podcasts are sold. Um, so small no more. <laughs> Would love to have you as a listener. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's really good. And I'm not just saying that cause I've been a guest, but I have been a guest. So <laughs> I'll link to that as well. So thanks again, Liz. And we hope to hear from everybody. Please tell us. Yeah. We want to know what you're releasing. Yeah. Tell let's throw all, all of our yeah. shit in a big shit pile and clean it away. And light it on fire. <laughs> Ew, and then move God. to a yacht. Move, yes. to, move a yacht. to a yacht. <laughs> the best reason to get rid of your shit is because then you can live on a yacht. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. I love it. All right. Have a good one, friends. Nighty night. Nighty night. <laughs> Special thanks to Jack De Silva for our dope ass intro music, Lindsay Allman for our transcendent logo and cover art, and Hope Clinton for her superb audio editing. Tune in every Friday for the latest episode, and don't forget to rate and review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts.